Hey, Flomies, it's time for another edition of the ITF Flowcast. This week, we are going to interview Victoria Aaron. She is the founder of Reciprocity 5, a digital marketing company. She specializes in helping window cleaners uh, to, to get Facebook ads to get customers. And she does a really nice job on it. Uh, she has a really interesting story. She didn't have a background in marketing or even window cleaning. Uh, she actually majored in sustainability in college, but it's interesting how she took the lessons she learned in sustainability and applied it to marketing. That's actually where the term reciprocity comes from, but we'll, we'll get all into that in the interview. Uh, but she also uh, takes some time and helps us to know as business owners what we can do to make the most out of our Facebook ads. Just some things to keep in mind. Uh, what's what's the kind of the formula for writing up an ad to motivate someone to click on it and to get you business? So I know you're going to enjoy this. Let's listen in now as we talk to Victoria Aaron. Hey, Flomies. Uh, thanks for listening. It's Gabe from Gabe's Spotless Window Cleaning, and we are starting the ITF Flowcast. And today we are happy to have Victoria Aaron. She is the founder of Reciprocity 5. And uh, thank you so much for joining us, Victoria. How are you doing? Thanks for having me, Gabe. I'm doing fantastic. Super excited to be here. I am super excited to share just what we do and how I've been able to get to this point. And yeah, yes. I'm doing fantastic. Well, great. Well, I got a lot of questions for you uh, when Good. it comes to uh, Facebook ads for sure, but we're going to get to that a little later. But first, I, I did want to get to know you a little better. Um, we've we've known each other for now for a few months. Uh, we, you know, I started with Reciprocity Five a few months back. Um, been super happy with it, and uh, um, you know, there's a lot of things. I just even in these few months that we've seen in the journey of the business, you know, the the little tweaks, the refinings, the different things that you've done to make. Uh, the product that you offer that much more valuable to your customers. Um, but before we, we talk about the growth of the business and just how you, how you got to there, um, tell me a little bit about yourself. Where, where are you from? Um, how did you get into, was this your goal from the beginning to kind of get yourself into this business where you were into Facebook marketing or did you quote unquote fall into it? So to speak, how, how did you, how did you arrive at this spot? Okay. Great question. Uh, I would say it's more of, I, I fell into it. So I'll kind of start off with, so I am from Arizona. I ha was born and raised in Arizona, which we actually have that. I don't know if you always live there, Gabe. Yeah. But... I'm born and raised in Tucson. Yeah. So I just, okay. just a little South of you. You're in Phoenix, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. So I was born and raised in Levine, Arizona, which was like really. <gasps> no way. You know what? My wife has family who lived in Levine for years. You probably really? went to school with her cousins. Yeah. I wonder, I went to like, um, I went to 91st Psalms Christian school growing up. So it was like the only school was like one of the only schools out there at the time. Cause it was just, as you know, like very farms, farms right, everywhere. Right. Yes. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. They, I remember they would flood the yard, like the whole fields. And so their, their yard, there'd be times where it was just like this whole like bog <laughs> of water. And yeah, we would we go used out to there play and run yeah. So I grew up there and you just, you know, play in the irrigation, you ride on tubes in the canal. And it gave me, I, now that I'm older, I realized what my parents were doing by bringing us out there. They wanted us to have a, a childhood where we were able to run around and mm -hmm. maybe be separate mm -hmm. from the busyness of society. It, it is a whole different world from Phoenix. Cause you know, you're only about maybe 
20, 30 minutes away from the big city, you know, of Phoenix, but it is, it was at least back then. Now it's a lot more, they've got more houses on there. They've gotten rid of a lot of the, the farmland, you know, but back then, you know, yeah, when you were young, boy, I mean, that was still, I think on the other side of the street, there was just a, this huge cornfield uh, that uh, the kids used to go run in there too. You know, yeah, it was pretty cool. That's so funny. Yeah. And that was before the, the highway. Uh, for anybody who's familiar with uh, Arizona, there is a new highway that goes but behind South Mountain. And we didn't mm-hmm. have that highway before. So to get to anything on like the east side of town, you'd have to go through the Indian Reservation or you'd have to drive right. like a whole hour. And that was some character building in itself, waking up really early, having to go to school on the east side of town, you know. Oh, man. So I grew up there. I'm glad you're familiar. Most people, Always, I tell them they have no, no idea. Because we, we would come from Tucson, so we'd take Riggs Road right through the reservation oh. right there. So that's how we would get to Libby in the back way. So yeah, I know exactly. Our, our listeners so have no idea what's going on. But <laughs> yeah, they're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, continue on. So you went to went to school yeah. there in Levine. Yeah, so I grew up in Levine, and then I ended up going to school out in uh, Chandler, Arizona, and I went to... Uh, I graduated from ASU. So uh, after I actually went to ASU for sustainability, believe it or not, I graduated at the end of 2019. So really not that long ago. And uh, when I, I, I was, I, I always kind of knew I needed to niche down at least in college that I needed to pick something to focus on and go all in on that. That is my personality type. So once I figure out something, I'm like, okay, 100% that way. Uh, because I really believe that you can lose a lot of time by deviating and trying oh, yeah. getting sh- mm-hmm. shiny object sh- syndrome. Yep. So <laughs> I just was like, okay, uh, let's get, to, let's do sustainability. I ended up loving it. Um, and I learned a lot of things about just how like the economy works, how society works, all like background things that most people wouldn't think about mm-hmm. um, and help me understand a lot of the things that I actually apply in my business today. But uh, growing up, I mean, it was just really, I lived a simple life. I went to school, I got straight A's. I ended up giving like the graduation speech. So I was always somebody who wow. wanted, wanted to go like Very above cool. and beyond. Yeah. yeah. And I always, I used to be really afraid of public speaking, believe it or not. So before when I'd get on things like this or talk to people or be put on the spot, I get like hives and I get, <laughs> I get really scared. And one day I woke up and I was like, no, I don't want to be scared anymore. I want to, I want to face my fears. So I'm going to do whatever it takes to whatever I'm afraid of. I'm going to run towards. Mm. And so I told myself, I'm going to put myself in a position of, I ended up becoming an ambassador for the school so that I could be public speaking. And so I would, I'd be really scared. I do it over and over again, finally got over it, and they're like, Hey, can you speak for graduation? And I was like, Sure. So then I went home, I had a little mini panic attack. It lasted like an hour. And then after that, I just spent the next two weeks like writing it out. And that was the first time that I realized how much power was in just facing your fears and what you could do actually. So that was kind of like my short and sweet beginning of my life sort of story. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Sustainability. So that was a major or or what? Wow. So, so what does that involve? So that actually involves, um, so that is when you're talking about society, the economy and nature and how all three of them can work together to act prosper. So a lot of people, when they think of sustainability, they think of eco products, um, you know, the green revolution, mm-hmm. uh, eating vegan, <laughs> things like that. But sustainability really is, we have all of these great things in society. We're advancing so much in our economies, in our technology, 
But how do we do continue to advance without compromising the integrity of the environment? And so um, a big lesson that I learned in while going to school there was that it really comes down to relationships. Relationships in nature, for example, are very reciprocal, meaning that uh, when something, for example, let's say a fungus, uh, when it, it, it basically takes it helps the forest communicate nutrients back and forth between trees and the trees in turn help with, you know, our carbon dioxide and everything's kind of a delicate balance of give and take where mm-hmm. if something's taking from something, it's also benefiting it at the same time. And uh, that for me was a huge eye opener, especially when I was looking at, um, I guess, economic things, because I really didn't prosper when I was trying to learn things about the economy. It was really hard for me. I had a really hard time in economics class, Um, but it helped me understand the law of reciprocity. And that's kind of where I got the name too, is what that law means. And I actually found out that it's also a law in business. Hmm. So then my brain started putting all these little dots together (laughs) and I was like, Ooh, it makes sense. You're in relationships. And so now I use that knowledge to anything I learned about nature and how nature works, I like to implement that in also my day-to-day relationships too. Um, But in short, sustainability, a really great example of it would be biomimicry. Uh, Mm -hmm. Have you ever heard of that before? Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh, cool. What do you, what do you know about it? Well, you look at the design of like an animal or a bug or something, and then you try to implement the, the design structure of that to do, you know, put into use the something that's practical or, or for like manufacturing or in structural, as far as like building, you know, a building or a plane. I know like a lot of planes try to use biomimicry to uh, make them more efficient, uh, you know, use less fuel, that type of thing. Exactly. Yeah. So like that really interests me. I was like, whoa, they can make trains that make no sound when they go into tunnels mm-hmm. because they're mimicked after the Kingfisher bird whose beak is really you know, it's pointy. Yeah. So I started dabbling in that. I thought about going to graduate school in biomimicry, but then I decided I was like, okay, well, you know, I can either make, I can make small changes through going through the law and trying to fix the laws that surround uh, our environmental, you know, all the environmental movements that are happening. But what I realized is that it really takes a lot of time to implement those things. And there's a lot of decision makers and hands in the pot, a lot of stakeholders. And I reached this like pivotal point where I really had to sit down and have a hard conversation with myself. And this was after actually reading um, a couple books that were assigned to me to just this, I think the last year of my time at ASU in sustainability program, which by the way, they have the first ever sustainability program in the nation. So they're the Mm. first ones. Um, I would highly recommend. Let me just tell you, it is really killing me to hear you say nice things about ASU being from Tucson. So I'm just really, I am showing my professionalism. (laughs) I just keep it quiet. I'm biting my tongue. Forks up. No, no, no. Sorry, we're gonna we're gonna edit that part out. (laughs) So go go cats or what is it? Uh, Bobcats? No, I'm just kidding. Wild cats. Oh, this, oh my I gosh, think this that's interview so funny. is over. I think it's yeah, 10 <laughs> minutes. Go. That's good. Just kidding, guys. <laughs> Don't go to ASU. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm just pushing Gabe's buttons. That's hilarious. <laughs> I see a little tear. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, the program was great. I decided that I really needed to make a decision. Decisions are things where you cut off uh, certain things. And so I said, I can either 
try to, I can either try to make a slow progress or I can try something that allows me to make big impact quickly. Mm -hmm. And what I realized after reading these books was that the people that were making the biggest decisions and impacts, the reason they had that power was because they themselves had figured out a way to make systems more efficient or how to um, like basically make leverage the economy in favor of them so that they could make more impact on their end. So they didn't have to go through the grassroots movements. Whereas if you're somebody who's going to intern or you're going to take little steps to, you know, work uh, in a big corporation that's trying to make these changes, it's going to mm-hmm. take you like your whole Absolutely. life to make a change. Yep. Yep. So everything comes down to um, in sustainability and environmental things. It comes down to money. It comes down to, you know, the, the, um, the lawmakers and all that stuff. So I was like, well, I definitely don't want to go into law. And I know that there's things that can help me get to where I want to be, but I don't really know how, but I knew that digital marketing was something that could potentially speed up that process and also give me the, the leverage to make that change because that's where the, the, everything was moving, you know, everything else kind of seemed outdated. And, um, I had, I had actually was helping my parents, uh, throughout college with SEO. So I was helping them with their business. They own a small fire protection business out of Phoenix and they do, they serve as sprinklers. They do fire protection, sort of pro fire and life safety. Great company. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was helping them and I realized I was able to help their business generate a lot of revenue by just simply posting a blog and making sure that their backlinks were working all that fun, like not fun SEO stuff. Yeah. I was like, Ooh, there's something here. Like I can definitely make, make definitely some impact, especially for at least business owners. Um, and that's kind of what made me start dabbling into digital marketing, but I never was somebody who felt like I was really technologically savvy. In fact, I, I do think I am now, but I'm definitely not the most, I don't code. I don't do anything like that. Um, but that was kind of my eye opener. So from there, after I graduated and I was already dabbling in digital marketing, I started taking on people, just, just working kind of on, on my own by myself, helping my parents. And was that this, was, now was this a, was this by this time a business or is this you doing this like on the side? On the side. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like I had, it was like my only source of income basically. So I would, it was a business in a sense, I was a sole proprietor, but I wasn't, okay. it wasn't like a formed LLC. Gotcha. Yeah. So at that time I was, I had reached out to a couple of people because now I graduated and I'm like, I need to make sure that I have something to do. And I had actually kind of on the, also on the side, been working with a composting company out of Phoenix who takes food waste, turns it into soil and regrows food from it and gives that food back to their customers. So oh, that was really cool. Have you ever composted before? Do you know anything about I've, that? I've not. I mean, I've had gardens and stuff and I've, I've had aspirations of composting, but no, I've never actually, you know, had the little <laughs> unit to try and do it and to wet it and do all the stuff that's necessary. That was always the thing. I was like, you know, if I start this, I'm committed to it. And I don't know if I'm ready for that, that much commitment just yet. So no, yeah. I haven't done it, but I, I understand the process. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then it's, it's basically just, I mean, that, that's good. Cause most people, some people don't even know really what it is anymore. Uh, but the, what they did is they made it super simple. They had buckets that they would put out on your doorstep, you'd fill it, they'd come back, pick up the bucket. So I was doing that. And, um, you know, at that time, I was just, I think there was a couple things that happened. And I realized 
that I really, the nine to five wasn't for me, especially with um, some of the, I was still sort of working for them a little bit into the pandemic, but not as much. Um, And when that happened, just my whole business, my whole, what I was expected to do changed. I was expected to cold call. I was expected to scrape a hundred, you know, HOAs a day. And it was really hard. And I was only being paid like $15 an hour. And I was like, gosh, I used to have a totally different job before this. So the pandemic really like put a stinker in that. And I was like, okay, I don't, I can either continue doing something like this, or I can just make a decision again. And I can decide to burn all ships. And I really do believe in burning all ships now, because Mm -hmm. if you have a backup plan, then you're not going to go with plan A. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something too, that was a huge um, lesson for me is that you'd ever, I mean, it's, yeah, it's good to have cushions. It's good to have, you know, security, but also at the same time as an entrepreneur, somebody who wants to, you know, make big change, you also have to make hard decisions that say, Hey, I'm going to make this work and I'm going to do whatever it takes. So at that time, um, I then reached out to a couple of people and I was like, Hey, you know, is there anybody who wants to, you know, maybe work with me or needs help with their business? I was able to work for my parents' business and got them some good results, still doing SEO at the time. And my friend, Ricky Schroeder out of uh, Phoenix, he actually called or messaged me and said, Hey, you know, I actually have a window cleaning business. I'd like for you to, to help me with it potentially. So him and I, I told him, Hey, just FYI, you know, I'm going to do this with you, but I really don't know much about what I'm doing and I'm going to get a mentor about it. I just, I, I, I want to try this out. So let's, let's go ahead and do it. Uh, so he ended up giving me, you know, being able to stabilize sort of that part of the income for me. I think it's important that when you're testing things or trying things, you always have like that back, that, you know, that income coming in. So at mm-hmm. least for me as that solopreneur, I was kind of always, I was, I always had that. So I was only working with him for, and a couple other niches, I think, I think, um, uh, permanent makeup. So brow artists really ran. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a couple other beauty industry people. And that's when I finally got into Facebook ads and I got a mentor and I, it wasn't easy finding them. I actually, they had, I uh, saw like an ad for, for them and I was really skeptical at first. I was like, this seems like it's probably mm-hmm. a scam. And I, he's, he's just selling up me on, he, he literally was speaking to me. He's like, make a big impact in your community, you know, make le- leverage the digital age, all this stuff. <laughs> and then I signed up and it was the last of my money. It was like the last of the profits I had. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is the biggest. It was, it was like $900, which was such a big investment for me at the time. I remember like actually trying to get a refund, I think 15 days later, because they had like this 15 day, like money back guarantee thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't really want to, but I was just like freaking, I was freaking out. I was like, psyching myself <laughs> out. so it turns out I asked for the refund like two hours too late. And I'm oh. so glad. Yeah. <laughs> I, know. I was like, but I was so glad I did though. Cause I feel like I actually did it like that on purpose. Cause I really didn't want to back out, but part of me did. Right. And so, especially when you're making like the biggest investment you ever had, it's like, oh, well, what else is supposed to do? So I couldn't get my money back. And I was like, well, I guess I got to go hundred percent into this. (laughs) You're in, right? You know, something similar kind of happened with us too. Um, Cause I'd burned the business for 20 years. Well, at this, at this time it was 10 years, about 10 years. And um, we had our daughter. And, no, so like, I guess 12 years, because she was already about three now. And it was getting to to realize that the where, where my business was, it wasn't enough to support. It was enough to support me and my wife on our own, living simply, 
now that we had our daughter, there was some medical issues that were involved. So we had hospital bills that we've never had before. We needed a bigger house, you know, I mean, there's just a lot more things. It was becoming very evident that the business was not enough to provide as it was. So I had two choices, sell the business, get a regular job somewhere, and then just start from the beginning and work up again. And my dad worked for Tucson Electric Power and um, he retired there. So he had, he had some connections. So he's like, you know, Hey, I can get you an office job. You know, you'll have to kind of do some basic stuff. He says, but I, I guarantee you within a year, you'll move up because you've got all this experience and you're easy to work with, you know, and, um, or try to make the business work. And, you know, so we, I, I, I went, I applied, I got the interview and it's, it's like really intense. I mean, they have all these tests you have to do. So I told my wife, you know what, here's going to be the test. If, if I get this job, then I'm going to take that as that's the sign that I need to sell my business. And I'm going to take this job. If I don't get this job, then I'm going to take it as a sign that we need to stick with the business, you know? So I took all these tests. I passed all of them except for the Microsoft Excel test. Oh, what? Yeah. I mean, and I know it, you know, I was like, how on earth did I not, did I not <laughs> pass that test? But I didn't. And so they, they denied me. Um, and so I was telling my wife, I'm like, well, you know what? I guess that means I just got to, we got to make the business work. So we made that decision. The next day they called me back and said, hey, we really liked you as a candidate. Can you come back and retake that test? I know you can pass it if you just do it a second time. And I said, you know what? We've already talked. We made the decision. I, I'm yes. going to stick with my business. And so I'm so glad I did. Cause I mean, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm sure we would have been fine as far as I would have, but it would have been a desk job. I mean, it, you know, I would have been working with a bunch of people and you'd have the office politics and, you know, you'd have all that stuff they have to deal with. I mean, now I look at how my business is and I'm just so happy, you know, what, what the business has given us as a family. Um, I know I wouldn't have been able to have, you know, working for a big company like that. So it's funny how sometimes, you know, that serendipity, or, ships. Yeah. yeah, you know, just, just uh, go for it sometimes and make it, make it work. So that's awesome. Cool yeah, because at the end of the day, right, there's really no right or wrong. It's just the decisions yep. that you make and you figure it out along the way. Yep. And I'm a big proponent of that. And that kind of took me a long time to get to that point, too, because growing up, I was definitely a perfectionist, you know, and I was like, and I think a lot of like you talked about the anxiety attack that you received. The anxiety attack wasn't the, the thought of, oh, I got to be in front of all these people. The thought is, I got to be perfect in front of all these people, right? I got to do this exactly right. And if it's just a smidge off, I've ruined the whole thing and I'm a terrible person and no one's going to love me anymore. My family's going to get rid of, you know, I mean, that's what I did with myself. It's like you build this up and then you just like, you just tear yourself up inside because you're just, you know, you're such a, at least I was such a perfectionist. And I did that to myself throughout my whole, you know, um, elementary school and middle school and it was, it was my, my uh, senior year where I finally learned that, you know, you can mess up, you can make the wrong decision. And most of the time it's going to have very little effect on your life, you know, unless you make it like a self-destructive decision, like to get involved with drugs or get involved with underage drinking or stuff like that. You know, th those are things that can, can really ruin your life. But for the most part, when you're talking about just decision, life decisions, the majority of the time at the worst, it may just set you back a little bit of time. You can still end up and you know, go where you need to go. And once you realize that it frees you up so much 
you know, because now you're not as afraid to take risks because, well, let's say it goes bad. What's the worst that could happen? Well, then you start over again, you know, <laughs> and you start over. I mean, there's nothing wrong with starting over, but generally speaking, most of the time, it just means you just make some adjustments and you, and you get back on course or you change the, the destination, you know, and you find out you yeah. really wanted to be over here and, and you're not that far off. So um, it's just it's freeing so if you can, if you can have, be that flexible, you know, in, in understanding uh, what, what your business decisions really are, you know, um, that, that's one thing I really try to, when we're, when we're mentoring younger window cleaners or newer, not necessarily even younger, but just newer. Sometimes yeah. some people have been window cleaners, but they've worked for someone else. And now this is their first time with their own business. And I really try to instill on them, look, you know, don't put so much pressure to make the perfect decision. You just make a decision and then go with it and, and learn from it. You know, if you make a decision and you and it's terrible and you don't learn from it, that's a waste. But if you make a decision and you lose some money, then, you, but did you learn? Well, then if you learn that you're never going to make that mistake again, you've just added a value to your experience as a business owner. And now you've, you've got an edge that someone else who's never gone, had to make that decision doesn't have, you know? That's so, so true. Yeah. Just, just knowing, knowing what you have and, and knowing that information is, is valuable. It's a commodity. And the more experience you have, that equips you better to handle the ups and downs of business because now you can kind of steer the ship back on course a lot easier than when you're new and you don't know anything and you're going to turn right into an iceberg, you know, uh, because yeah. you freaked out. Yeah. I can't tell you, I, I'm sure we'll get into it too, but there's been, obviously I, there's been a lot of hurdles, uh, especially in our, our first year of business. It was, there was a lot of those ups and downs. And now again, looking back at the, the past and what we've gone through, it really builds your resistance to the ups and downs and you become sort of this stoic, I don't know, uh, just like the statue or somebody who as a leader, you have to always, always kind of have to have that face on. You always have to be there for your team, but mm -hmm. being able to go through those ups and downs, it, it kind of calluses you to, to be, to be that leader and to no, no longer let the little, the little things just mm -hmm. drag you down. And I remember one little thing would happen and me as a perfectionist as well, I would let that affect my whole day yes. and I would be so let down. And, uh, now it's just like, okay, cool. There's a fire. We'll put it out. Don't worry, everybody. Like we're going to, we're going to take care of it. Yeah. Um, and I definitely, I think the perfectionist mindset is something that a lot of I'm sure a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with too. And what's funny is that uh, procrastination is actually just perfection. Perfectionism. Absolutely. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. Is so you're just, man, I don't, I don't want to do this imperfectly. So I'm just going to put it off to another time when I'm in a better mental state to handle it. And you never are, <laughs> you know, exactly. Uh, yeah. And, and, oh, it's, it's so true. And that's whenever I procrastinate something, I, I, I probably say this all the time because it's, you know, Kevin Hargis is, is one of the mods and we're, we're good buddies. And he's always saying, eat, you got to eat your frogs. You know, there's a book written on it, you know, and he's eat your frogs. Thing. Yeah. You got to eat your frogs. I mean, you, whatever it is that you don't, you want to do the least, do it first, eat the frog, get it done, get it over with. And then you can move on. Cause then after you eat the frog, guess what? All the rest is going to taste great. <laughs> you know, everything <laughs> else is going to be delicious. So, <laughs> and it's so true. And, and I noticed that whenever I am, I'm stressed out or I feel overburdened with the company, Okay. Uh, first thing I ask, okay, what frogs have I not eaten? Oh yeah. I've got, <laughs> 
this customer, I got a call who's upset for some silly reason that I, I just don't want to deal with them right now. Okay. Or, oh yeah, there's that audit form that I got to fill out and send so that, you know, workers comp knows what to charge me. And I, I, I hate the whole audit process. I think it's a scam, but I know it's necessary. And so it's, I'm fighting one, I don't want to do it. And two, I don't even believe in the system of it. So it's like a double whammy. And I just like, okay, just, just do it, get it done. And then you get it done. And then it's like, oh, this pressure's off your shoulders. And I'm like, oh, why don't I, you know, don't think, don't focus on the action, focus on what the results will be after you get done, you know? Yeah. Then you're able to eat the frog faster and then you can just go on with your day with less stress. And and, and once you can understand, (laughs) look, I can, Either way, that's going to have to get done. So I can either put it off and, and do everything else with a bunch of stress on my shoulders or just do it first and then enjoy the rest of the work that you have to do, you know, and you're not so stressed out. But it's all that's mind true. games, right? It's all just it, trying to get control totally of your thinking. Is. No, it is. It, it, all, it totally is. It's all just uh, realizing like those thoughts that those intrusive thoughts and then the ones that like actually matter and they don't that the ones that don't matter and um one thing that i've really found beneficial for me on my journey is uh, meditation and um also something that i've come to kind of come back to that i used to do as a kid was prayer mm-hmm. because i was raised in a very religious household um my parents wouldn't even let me watch harry potter uh and growing up i didn't really just i was in this bubble so i didn't really know there's anything else out there And now I realize that prayer actually is just, it's mostly, it's having faith and believing and visioning. And it's also just, it's speaking out loud, um, you know, what it is that you, that you're thinking and it's meditating on, I mean, it's a lot of different things for a lot of people, but for me, it is meditating on um, what it is that I am grateful for, what it is that I'm thankful for, and also just envisioning, you know, what it is I I want or, or need. Um, and kind of just going back to that and having that faith that everything is going to work out as long as I focus on what really matters and focus on, you know, the positives, because it's really easy to get stuck in focusing on the negatives. And it's kind of like when you're riding a bike and you're on the side of a cliff, you don't want to, if you focus on falling off the cliff, you have more of a chance of falling off the cliff than if you focus on the little, the little path. (laughs) Yep. Absolutely. And and that's something that I I tell my new techs all the time, you know, and I'll see them and, you know, they'll be with, have worked for me for two, three months already. And I've seen them, they know how to handle a squeegee, but then I'll see them so tentative and they'll be like, you know, going, I'm like, okay, so first of all, we need to get you faster. The second of all, (laughs) I know exactly why you're slow. You, you are way overthinking this. You know how to do this. I've seen you do this a hundred times. You, you, you know, when, when you just, you're letting the pressure of being on this job, or maybe it's a slightly different window than what you're used to, or maybe it's an angle that you're not, you know, something's a little different and you're letting that throw you off. Just stop overthinking it. You, you know how to do this. Just do it. Just don't, don't overthink, just do it. And, and then you can see them kind of loosen up, you know? And the other thing I tell them too, is I said, look, I'm just, I'm telling you now, if you do, if you do a bad job on this window, I am not going to be upset at you just do it. And then if you can't figure it out, then come get me and I'll help you. But you got to do it first. I'm not going to help you until you try it at least two or three times, because otherwise you'll never learn, you know? So don't be afraid to not do it right. And then come and get me and say, Oh, Gabe, I couldn't do this and feel like you're defeated. This is part of the learning process, but you got to do it first. I, I will. I refuse to help you until you've tried it yourself 
because half the battle is figuring out, you know, the way I do things isn't necessarily the right thing for them to do. You know, everyone's different. Everyone thinks differently. Everyone moves differently. Everyone has strengths. And so that's why I really try to install. I, I don't, I'm not someone who believes my way is the only way to do it. The result is what I expect that, that that's unchangeable, the, the quality and the standard that the business has, but there's a lot of ways to get to that. And the thing that I can do, I can do reach that goal faster may not be the same way that you reach it faster, you know? So that's, that's part of that discovery, you know, cause I certainly don't clean windows the way that the, the guy who taught me how to clean them does. And, and I would, and I wouldn't say that he's in, he's faster than me. You know, now he's better. <laughs> he hasn't cleaned windows in years, but he's still better than me because he's got, you know, he, he had tons of years of experience and I've seen him, but, but, you know, as far as speed and, and, and getting it done, I mean, you know, there's just so many ways and we, we limit ourselves by trying to find the right way to do it. And there just is not always a one right way. There's always multiple ways. And the sooner a new business owner can understand that and just be not afraid to make their own way, um, the, the, the better their path is going to be, you know, in, in any, whether it's window clean or any business, you know, just not being afraid to kind of make some decisions. They don't work out right. Re, re, uh, recalibrate, refocus, and then keep going. That's, that's how the successful people do it. You know, they, don't, they don't freeze up. It's very true. And they just, it, and they don't even see failure as failure. It's just no. a learning lesson. That's it. Absolutely. Um, and a lot of people, I, I actually hate the word failure. I don't think it's real. I literally, I remember somebody mm -hmm. was mentioning it to me. It's the same word with imposter syndrome, which I'll get into, mm -hmm. which I don't believe imposter syndrome either. Um, but failure is really just a mindset of thinking, okay, I, I failed at this and it's like a, it's like you trip, but really we're just like, we're just kind of stumbling a little bit. We're getting mm -hmm. ourselves back up. We're learning. Mm -hmm. We're, and then we're getting it back up. And this actually reminds me of a story that you told on another podcast, Gabe, where you were talking about, uh, I, I believe you were, you were doing, you were cleaning a window and you had tried it a couple times and you were kind of getting frustrated mm -hmm. when you first started. And then somebody yeah, was that like, was, that was the guy I was mentioning. He's the guy who taught me. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember that story. It actually, it, it stuck to, it stayed in my mind. Cause I was actually, as you were talking about it, I was envisioning that's actually a really good metaphor for how think people do things in life too. They mm -hmm. just they get overthink it, and I am very, um, I am very, oh, I overthink everything. Like mm -hmm. I, I really try not to. Um, I'm actually getting a lot better at it. But I realized in this process that I'm a huge overthinker. Mm -hmm. I try to be a perfectionist, and that always ends up costing me in the long run. <laughs> yeah. Well, in that in that story, you know, he he comes up and. I'm for, I've been working on this window for this one window, commercial window that it, I was making like $10 on this job, right? It was just this little store. It was like a dive of chocolates, but, and I'm frustrated. I'm ready to throw all my equipment. He walks up just all smooth and casual. Hey, Gabe, what's going on? You know, I'll relax. And I'm telling him the struggles. He's like, Gabe, Gabe, you're making this way harder than this. He goes, this is a friendly window. This is a happy window. Look, it's just friendly. It's not, you know, and then he made the point of, he's like, look at those people in there. Do you really think they're going to be like looking at that window, like looking for every little mark or every little line? And I'm like, no, it's like, you're, you're making a way to just relax, just do it. And, and, and I did once I relaxed and I didn't, I took the pressure off of myself. It worked, you know? Um, but it's just one of those things where uh, we can, we can build something up so much, you know? And, and I think when, when you're starting a new business, that's that's often the downfall of many new entrepreneurs is they're already visualizing the failure 
You know, they're visualizing the the money that they invested going out the window. They're envisioning, you know, the job that they quit to start this business and now they'll never get it back. Or, you know, if they come back, like you said, it'll be, or or, I forget who I was talking to, but they say it was going to (laughs) be humiliating. Um, You know, the, the humiliation, the embarrassment, that's what holds them back. And it's like what you said, if you just remember, there's, there's no such thing as failure. You're, you're, you do that. You make a decision you analyze the data that came from that decision and then you recalibrate, right? Yeah. Half the, most of the time, it's not going to be a complete disaster. It just means you may not make as much money or you, you made a mistake that now you will never make again. And then you keep going forward and you just keep taking, and then you adapt and you make changes and you learn. And, and then pretty soon five years is gone. And now look at, you've got a business that's, that's sustaining you, you know, that's providing for your family. Uh, is it perfect? No, but there's no perfect businesses, you know? Yeah, just, no, there's not. Just, just continued going. But I, I totally, I've, I am of the same mindset. I do not believe in failure anymore. A, a, a decision that costs my business money was just simply an expensive lesson. Yeah. That's all it is. And then we go on because guess mm-hmm. what? The business is going to keep making money. I'll just make it up. You know, if you look at any, any high value stocks, it's never a straight line up. It's always up and down but it's always eventually going up. Yes. You know? And that's what we want to be. We want to be those high value stocks that, you know, have the ups and downs, but in the end, the actual progress is always up. That's you know? it's so true. And I think, uh, especially in the beginning, you think of it as a linear line. I remember actually the first time I, I didn't really have mentors outside of teachers or anything when I was growing up, but I remember when I started getting into the digital marketing space, I really did need mentors because I didn't want to do it alone. And I knew that there was people that had gone through the same lessons that I had and I wanted to fast track and not make those same mistakes. So I actually, you know, paid to have mentorship, which helped me a lot, break through a lot of problems that I think a lot of people will run into. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I remember my mentor told me, uh, he was all sat in a room and he said, okay, so here's a line it's going it was going straight up. And he said, who in the room wants their business to look like this? And everybody raised their hand. And I was like, nope, I don't <laughs> want that. I learned through sustainability that that is not how nature works. That's nature right. has an up and down, in and out breath. Like there's a breath to it. There's mm-hmm. give and take and everything. So I saw that and I was like, that is not life. That's not how life works. And so I kept my hand down and he's like, okay, and who wants their success to look like this? And I was like, me. <laughs> and it just goes to show that it when to zoom out and look at the big picture, because at the end of the day, when you zoom out, things are probably actually getting better, not getting mm-hmm. worse. Absolutely. And that's the same thing in the world. They teach us that. I taught, they learned that in college. They said, you know, we typically people think the world's getting worse and reality, it's actually getting better. And we yes. can see that through a lot of advancements that we've had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember I talked to one guy who called me up all upset and um, he had done a house, you know, he was sole proprietor, you know, single uh, owner operator, and he had got a really big house and it really was beyond his skill set. but he was, you know, he took a chance. He took a chance. Um, he got himself kind of in, you know, in a, in a bind Ooh. and he, he asked me to come help, you know, so I went and helped him and um, he ended up having to give a lot of discounts because he, you know, he was supposed to be done that one day because it was for a party. He didn't, we came back, we finished the job, you know, um, the customer wasn't happy, was definitely not going to call him back, but we got the, we, we, we finished the job. He got paid not, not as much as he had intended. 
Um, and so anyways, he was just really discouraged, you know, and he was just like, man, Gabe, you know, I, I really thought I could do this and, and it just didn't work out. And I said, well, um, let me ask you this now with what, you know, at this point, um, if you got that call again, would you take that job? And he thought about it and he said, yeah. And I said, why? He says, well, because now I know what to do. Now I know the stuff I can do and I know that I can't. And I would call you to help me on that job. I said, exactly. See, now you, you now have information that if you ever run to a house similar to this, one, you know, at this point, you don't have the equipment or the skills to do, but you know who you can call to help you with it. A year, two years down the road, you may now have a business built up where you can buy the equipment you need and have an, have an employee, have another you know, person with you. you. You will be able to take it. I said, but you're at the beginning of your growth of your business. Don't beat yourself up. You just gained valuable information that most people in your spot would not know on a job like this. And you, you got it. You, you, yeah. Did you have to pay money for it? Sure did. You know, you, you had, you, you didn't take a loss, but they didn't make as much money as they, they would have, if they would just gone the regular job, but that information is now going to be, it's, it's in the books and now it's going to help your business from here on out. So it was expensive for the day, but in the end, it's priceless for the rest of your business, you know, and, and that's the way you have to, that's the way you have to look at it. Anytime something like that happens, even if you lose money in a day or like I've had to do whole jobs for free, you know, uh, because yeah. of something broke or, or we didn't meet our, you know, the, the time limit or whatever. And we just said, forget it. It's free. We're going to finish the job, but you know, we're not charging you because we didn't complete our obligation. But at the end we learned something. You know, mm-hmm. either learn, learn something that would stop us from making the same mistakes again, or we learned what to do the next time. So we won't make those mistakes and we'll finish the job on time and complete it, you know, but yeah, yeah data. I mean, it's just all about data experience. Use it. It's valuable it's everywhere. It's literally everywhere. Like mm-hmm. now people, they have Facebook groups. They can go like in this, this, like the into the flow group, you can mm-hmm. go on there and anybody who's learning can find all the information. I'm sure people have fast tracked a lot of the the mistakes that people have made just by being able to look that up. Yes, absolutely. And just one more thing before, because I do want to get into the Facebook stuff since that that is what your expertise is. And I know our listeners definitely want to get some tips, but um, just one other thing, one thing I'm very proud of you with that you did was um, when you saw the, when you saw the niche, um, you immediately started taking action to fill the niche. And I think of a lot of new, new window cleaners, you know, typically a window cleaner starts up, there's going to be a, a ton of other window cleaners in the area. You know, it's very rare that someone's coming into a town and there's one other window cleaner. And now they're usually you're coming in, even in small towns, there's going to be three or four or five window cleaners, bigger towns like, like Tucson. I mean, Phoenix has literally hundreds of companies you know, yeah. uh, and, and, you know, Tucson also has, you know, probably about, you know, 60 companies, uh, that, that are active, you know, and other smaller ones that we just never heard of because they're just, <laughs> they don't advertise. They don't have even a business license. They just operate. But when you're coming into that, you can, a lot of times the, the, what stunts your growth is not taking the action when you have the opportunity, whether it's getting into a community whether it's uh, sometimes buying a piece of equipment, um, sometimes it's hiring, you know, and those aren't always the right, the right things to do at certain points in your business. But when you know it's the right thing, 
you've got to jump at it, you know? And I think that's what you did with your business. You saw, you saw the opportunity and, and listen, you took a big jump. <laughs> I mean, your business that you started, which we'll get into uh, in reciprocity, you know, that's, it's not just a small little business. I mean, this is a big jump, but you took it, you saw the opportunity, you did some testing, but in the end you took the chance. And I think that's really cool. And I think that's a good lesson that a lot of window cleaners um, can learn from is that when you, when it's there, take it, don't, don't sit on it. Don't wait five years later when you look back and you're like, oh man, that was the perfect time. And now it's gone. And now it's going to be hard for me to start up. Just, you have the opportunity, just take it. So um, why don't you tell us a little bit about reciprocity and, and what, what, what you do, you know, how, how you got started, why you thought that this is uh, uh, something that's going to work and, and how you uh, implemented it. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for that compliment. I definitely, um, it was a huge jump. You're right. And it it definitely paid off because now we have a a team. So I have, um, my client success manager, Nicolette, who's awesome. We brought her on this year and we have a couple of VAs over in the Philippines, which uh, I can get into later, Dave, if you guys don't know anything about that, they're great. Um, I have some people in the, from the Dominican Republic now. So right now we're about a team of seven. Yeah. We're seven now. And it has just been fantastic. Um, I really felt like I could make this work when after, so after I worked, I think it's kind of picking up where I left off after I worked with Ricky virtuous window cleaning, I did some testing and I figured out, you know, the main problems that come with Facebook advertising that, you know, there's Uh, a lot of issues with the restrictions they have on it. Now Um, you can get things banned easily, get disabled, all that stuff. And I actually almost gave up. Um, But I knew that, especially with, after talking to him, he was like, there's nobody else doing this, Victoria, Mm -hmm. like you helped me so much. I ended up, so what ended up happening is we tested a couple different offers for him on and ran those on Facebook. And he, uh, he had one employee at the time, his name was Demetrius, his roommate. And they got really busy. They started getting in front of people and they were like, oh my gosh, like, this is amazing. Like we're loving what's going on. Uh, and I was like, cool. Like maybe I should, maybe I should just do this for window cleaners. But I started getting all these people kind of giving me pushback saying there's not enough when he actually told me himself, you know, there's not enough window cleaners out there to help actually do a business to help them. Cause there's just not many of us. And I heard that. And I remember thinking, I think that might be a limiting belief. And I only thought that because I had had my own limited limiting beliefs, such as uh, Facebook's going away. There's, there's no way I can market on that. Nobody's on there anymore. Um, there's not enough window cleaners. Uh, this, this can't work because I didn't go to school for, for marketing. And, you know, all these people kind of telling me, Hey, like, listen, that you went to school for this, you should do this. Uh, you really don't know what you're doing. You just invest in this random program that you saw online and they, who knows what they're going to do. It's probably some, some MLM or whatever the case may be. And I was like, okay, I, I, I deep down, I know my intuition is telling me I'm not wrong. And I know that the results are real that I got for Ricky. So you know what, I'm just going to go and go full in. Um, and I really realized it was going to work after we had worked with two or three more after that. And we were able to get the same results. Um, and we were, these were all people from either Arizona, California, or Utah. So we kind of stayed, I stayed close to home, same closer time zone. I didn't want to branch out too far just yet. And then we ran into the issue of branching out into other parts of the, the nation where there was a lot of different 
environments, uh, mm-hmm. different needs, different markets. Every market performs so much differently. So what works in one area is not going to work in another. Mm-hmm. And the offer we were running was different for everybody because some people charge by square footage. Some people charge right. by window, by pane. Some people don't include screens. Some people don't include tracks, things like this, little things, little tweaks. Some people, you know, there's the hard water stains, all these different things. And I remember getting really overwhelmed and being like, gosh, like, what am I doing? I, I'm trying to help all these people. Well, you're, but- you're, you're having to have a window cleaner owner's business owner's mind as a digital marketer. That's, that's tough. Totally. It totally is. And people on both sides are telling me different things. And so I just sat, remember I had this moment where I sat down and I was like, do I want to do this? Is this going to work? And I told myself it has to work because it there, I did research the day before. And I said, there's nobody else doing it. Uh, I just got off a phone call with somebody else telling me that the commercial side of things had actually gone down because of the pandemic and that people were pivoting more to the residential side, which is what I was able to get initially the type Mm -hmm. of customers for him. And that although commercial is, I knew I was calculating all this. I was like, I know commercial is very stable. It's a great source of income, recurring revenue. But it also, if that goes down and that's your main source of income, you don't have anything to fall back on. Correct. Residential is, makes you good money, but it's also very unstable and very, you know, all over the place. So I was like, okay, I don't have any competition from what I can see. That's actually doing specifically this industry and doing running ads on this, getting this type of traffic. And I know that there's tons of window cleaners out there, probably more than I could count. Um, that probably need these services. And I'm not going to listen to the limiting beliefs that people are telling me. Um, and they'll show up in different, in different areas of your life. I think we all have limiting beliefs. Uh, I'm still working on a lot of them myself, mm-hmm. but recognizing them when they come up is really important. So yes. um, from there, I said, okay, you know, we're just going to, we're basically going to streamline things. We're going to say what it has worked, what hasn't worked. And let's try to find something that works for everybody. So we did a little bit more testing. We changed up our offer and we, uh, we ran into another hurdle. Mm. And this hurdle was that we found out um, that it wasn't necessarily, you didn't really have to you could be getting anybody, all of the leads in the world and giving them, it, it would be great um, with the leads, but you can't really fix the other problems that come with it after that. So once the lead comes in, then what? Uh, you have to have a certain follow-up process that yes. is very personal. And especially when you're marketing on Facebook and Instagram, you have to, it's cold traffic, meaning it's yes. not people looking for your services. So you have to uh, educate them a little bit more. You have to show them the trust and value a little bit more. And once you're in front of them, they see the work, they get to meet you. Everything kind of clicks in their mind. And then they're like, oh, you know, let me refer you to this guy down the street. And it really opens up from there, but it's a longer buying process. Yes. And that was another hurdle realizing, okay, we have to actually fix the actual problem, which is the sales process, not just sending people leads. So that was, and, and I would just say real quick before you go on that, that was initially our struggle um, because uh, you know, our, we have an office staff, so it wasn't a problem of, you know, not someone not being there, but it was one dropping everything to call the customer. But two, like you said, that cold traffic, our, our office was used to the warm traffic where they're calling yeah. us 
sometimes they're a longtime customer. They're happy. Oh, hey, how's it going? They're <laughs> chatting. Oh, yeah. You remember me? Oh, yeah. How's life? You know, how's your husband? How's the pet? You know, and then they're scheduling and then they're happy and they love it. But the cold traffic, you're way more convinced. You're having to do more convincing. You're trying to show them you're not part of a scam. <laughs> you know, you're not. They don't yeah. know you from Adam. Uh, they haven't done any research on you for the most part, unless some of them do. But they just have clicked on an ad because, yeah. oh, that sounds good. And they're like, oh, what did I just do? And then there's a phone call. And now you're, you're you know, they're like, well, should I do this? Should I, you know? <laughs> oh, so, yeah. So, so let's talk a little bit how, what your solution was to that. Yeah. So I actually, it's, I, I remember there's an analogy you used to describe it. It was kind of like a fish flopping around in a boat and you have to like get the fish down <laughs> and like make it stay. So I really like that analogy. I actually use that analogy now. Um, but uh, so the solution to that was we have the software. Well, this was part of the solution. So we have, we integrated the software that actually helps to not only organize the conversations so that you can see all those conversations and, and handle email tech, you know, text message. It's coming from Facebook messenger. Cause mm-hmm. some people they'll message you on Facebook and then uh, you won't see it. Or so you basically just need a good place to handle all of it. And yeah. then we also said, okay, so we know it's really hard for people to just stop what they're doing on when they're on a ladder and call somebody and have a full on conversation about why they're the best. But we so and this was something that actually you had you had brought one of the first people to bring it up to us but we started seeing it across the board they were like i can't do this Mm -hmm. um so we brought on inside sales agents which were uh us kind of saying how can we fix the next problem that we Mm -hmm. need to solve and that was actually uh one of the hardest things i've ever done in, in the agency but i'm learning that it's it's made things so much better now. Yes. Uh, uh, Carlos was our first one. So Carlos was, you had experience with Carlos. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. Carlos at, is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Out of the Dominican Republic. And he, um, he had some sales training in the past. A lot of them do, but really what you're looking for is somebody who has a willingness to learn. They have motivation and they just really want to get better at sales. Yeah. And so, although we're learning at the same time, I had actually a, a sales coach at the time who, um, came with my program and he had, he was great. He was helping me train him and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But it was really hard because it's hard to kind of get somebody in the mindset of when somebody says, I can't right now, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're not interested. Yes. It just, it's an objection mm-hmm. and how you go about handling objections makes or breaks if somebody's going to stay with you in the long run, or if they're going to always go with the competition. Correct. And so for us putting our ISAs, these people who, you know, maybe, or, you know, they're in other countries, getting them into the mindset of, okay, got to learn the industry of window cleaning and you have to be good at sales. Uh, it was hard. It was definitely yeah. hard. But well, I just, I, so first of all, the dedicated sales agents, I think that was the huge, big turning point for us. Cause you know, in the beginning, I mean, and we knew in the beginning, it was going to be kind of figuring out, Hey, this ad works, this doesn't, this offer works, this doesn't, you know, yeah. we're getting a lot of calls for this one, but this is not as this ad is, or this deal is not as profitable for us. It's not what the customers were looking for. And we finally kind of fine tune that, but bringing in the dedicated sales agent was key for us because now we weren't having to do all the follow-up and like our laws. And, and I, I don't know the other ones, but I mean, he was so diligent and just had, everything kind of like, you know, okay, three days call, call this person who never responded, you know, a follow up with an email, follow up with the text. And I mean, he's reaching out to people who had seen our ad two months ago, who just, who never said no 
they just never respond. And he's still following up, you know, and we got to close a couple of those because of that. And that's something that our staff, you know, after a couple of weeks, we're done. <laughs> we're not following <laughs> up on those leads, you know, in yeah. our minds, that, that's just, that just didn't work out. So to have someone who they were dead, that's their dedicated for that. I thought was a really big thing, but not to be uh, underestimated is your software. The, what is the squeegee? What is it? Squeegee six or squeegee (laughs) Squeegee client lifeline system is our system. Yeah. And then uh, go high level. Yeah. I am so impressed with that software because it streamlines everything. So just so those who not use reciprocity, you get this, you download this or you you sign up. It's a program on the, on the web. Mm -hmm. Everything runs through it. So phone calls, outgoing phone calls you make from the app, from that, that site, all your text messages go out from there. All of your emails go out from there. All of your direct messages from Facebook go in and out of there. I mean, it, and it, what it, what that does is it keeps all of the communication, all the ways in which we have reached out to the customer and they have reached out to us in one compact little area. And, and that, that I thought was such a valuable tool for closing these, these cold calls, because, you know, I, I, that's something that we have a challenge with, with the warm calls is someone will send us a message and we're like, Oh, wait, was that an email? Did they, did they send us to Google? You know, my, my, my uh, uh, Google, my business page was this a Facebook thing. And it's always kind of a little detective work to try and figure out where they contacted us. Whereas with this software, it's all in once you just click on the customer's name and, everything's there. You know, everything is, is located. Everything is, is how, when they came, how they called, did they respond? They responded here, but they didn't respond on this one. And I just thought that was, that's a really cool design that you guys have that that's really won us over anyways. Yeah, no, definitely. That actually came because uh, Ricky, um, he was having organizational problems. And so we were like, okay, who can we partner with to fix it? And uh, the fact it really, it's good to hear that too, because I think I do underestimate it sometimes. I'm not in the day-to-day like uh, our clients are. And so I know that it's helpful, but, you know, very rarely do I hear, you know, on the day-to-day, like how did this, you know, transform how you're ele- elevating those customer experiences. Mm-hmm. So it's good to hear because especially when you are looking to see what a past conversation was or where somebody came from, it's like, okay, all I have to do is look over there, can see when they came in, like when, where it came from, what was the conversations? And then you can also listen to all those conversations. And yes. I'm sure that's really helpful too, to kind of audit and see, you know, is this being, repre- is this representing my brand? Absolutely. And that's what I appreciate it as a business owner is it allows for full transparency, you know, and because, you know, I mean, like you pay in marketing companies. You're basically saying, here's my money, give me workers. And then you don't know what's happening. And then you, hopefully the work comes in. Right. And, and, and yeah. that's it. That's the end of it with, with the, the saw or the, um, the, uh, what do you dashboard? I guess is what you would dashboard. Call it. Yeah. You have everything at your fingertips. So as a business owner, like what I would do is I would ask uh, Brittany, who's our, our head office person. Hey, could you just do a rundown? Tell me everyone in the last two weeks who signed up through reciprocity through the Facebook ad. And she could go through and tell us these customers booked. These are the jobs we've completed and have been paid for. These are the ones that are on the schedule. These are the ones that said no. And then that helped me as a business owner to decide, well, is this something I want to continue doing? Um, and, and I, that's what I really appreciate because I feel 
so much more in control over the process and helps me to, as a business owner, to make decisions, you know, and sometimes I'm making educated decisions. Sometimes I'm just like, well, let's just, let's roll the dice and see if it works. You know, we did that a couple of times, um, but I'm happy to do that because of the control I have. Um, it's right. not just this blind trust I'm putting into a company where I say, oh, um, you know, hey, can you, can you advertise to get me work on my slow period? Yeah. Okay. Well, hopefully it works, you know, with this, at least I I was willing to take chances because I could see, I could see the process and I could see what was working. And then your communication also was great too, you know, that we, we were constantly tweaking the offer and and tweaking what was working and what wasn't working, you know? So, yeah, I really did appreciate that about the the company for sure. That makes me so happy. Yeah. There's so so many things that, um, thank you for sharing that too, because it's been such a long process of trial and error, um, not failing, but trial and error. And now we're at the point where we have good conversion rates, but I want them to be great conversion Mm -hmm. rates. So like I, we, so for example, one thing that I just taught um, Carlos, because he's kind of the head of the ISA team now, uh, we call it our VIP concierge. It's kind of a fun mm-hmm. little uh, term. So he, so there was this one person who reached out to one of our clients and uh, the objection was, I don't, or my husband's going to do it this, this weekend, which I'm sure a lot of window cleaners run into. It's a very woman dominated, like women are the decision makers of the house. They're the ones that want it done. But the husband's like, let's just do it ourselves. So that's one of the hundred dollars. I'm going to do it myself. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So that's one of the biggest objections. So I said, okay, we need to figure out how to handle this. So what we did was we taught them, okay, if somebody says that, what you're going to say is, oh, uh, if you don't mind me asking, you want to use buffer words because it helps kind of buffer that that question. Mm -hmm. Don't mind me asking. Um, you know, have you had a bad experience? In, has he had a bad experience in the past with a past window cleaner? And that's why he's more of a do it, do it yourself type of person. Um, because honestly, uh, Susie, the, the last thing we'd want is for you to be uh, your husband up on a ladder or doing this on his Saturday off when he could be kicking up his feet. And uh, I'm sure, you know, the it, and, and seeing that Windex really can't do the the job that, you know, he's hoping for. Something like that. We'll we'll have different responses that are very similar to that. And once we started using that, basically we've our conversion rates have gone a lot higher. And mm-hmm. we've been learning how to handle those objections by asking clarifying questions, which is yes. something that everybody can learn from. So this one lady, she went from after we said that, she said, No, he's just cheap. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we back off from the sale. We say, okay, that's when you kind of squid away, you know, leave them. You don't want to push it anymore from there. But then we said, okay, no problem. You know, we'll go ahead and pass this to the next person. No hard feelings. When you pull away from that, instead of pushing, then she goes back and she responds, do you do two-story homes? And then we go, yeah, did you want to get in schedule for the two-story home? And then she's like, well, you know, let me actually talk to my husband. So we're like, okay, great. Another objection. Um, and so she's talking and we're like, okay, when, when are you planning on talking to him? She's like, talking to him now, just give me one moment. We're like, perfect. And she comes back to us. She gives us all the details of her house. She sends pictures of the house. And then uh, we go about booking her or we start booking her. And at the end of the booking process, uh, because we had actually set expectations too with her and we uh, handled those objections that she also brought up. Now she's like, Hey, I'm going to actually refer you to seven other tenants wow. uh, in our Look building. So we turned somebody from, I'm going to wait yep. until the Saturday to seven other tenants. And it's, it's been doing little tweaks like that has been really yeah. like beneficial. 
That's awesome. Yeah. And, and that's, that was our, our um, experience as well is just learning to, you know, again, that's the value of having the dedicated rep because yeah. like we, we just, we just did a job um, not too long ago that was during our slow time, you know, when we were having, we were struggling and not having the results, but, you know, again, that was the dice roll. I wanted to see if it, I've tried for 20 years to try and make my slow period profitable. We just thought, Hey, let's give it a <laughs> shot. Let's see if this works. It didn't work out as, but, but we got work from it. You know, yeah. I mean, we just, we just booked a job and did a job uh, last week that was found during that slow time. They didn't book then, yeah, but they didn't forget about us and they called back and we booked it, you know, it was a reciprocity five ad job. So again, that's awesome. not one that went to the credit of that month, yeah. but it should, because that's where it came from, you know? Right. Oh, uh, again, now I, I have one question I wanted to re- just to kind of close with, and we're running out of time yeah. here, but one yeah. other thing I did want to mention that, um, because this will lead into the, the, the question I have for you. Um, one of the things I've been very impressed was the work that goes into the Facebook ads. And if they're, you know, you get all kinds of mix. You get some people who are upset that you're calling them after they clicked on a Facebook ad saying, contact me for more information, but they're, how dare you? How did you get my number? You know, well, you gave it to us, Um, (laughs) but then you get the others and, and I've had several and and they're usually the higher end customers, the ones where the jobs are bigger, where they are just like, you know, I got to tell you, you have the best Facebook ads. She's like, they're like, you know, I, I see a lot of them on, you know, I usually ignore them, but your ads, they, they caught my attention. They grabbed me. They made me want to call you, even though I didn't have, you know, an idea. And I, you know, it's like, it sounds funny saying that, but that's genuinely what my customers have said was like, well, whatever, whoever is doing your ads, tell them they're doing a good job because I would not have, I never click on Facebook ads but I clicked on that one. So, so what has been your process in kind of narrowing down the types of ads that work that will get a, a reluctant person or someone who's not even thinking about cleaning their windows yeah. to click and ask for a voucher? Yeah. So that's a great question. And thank you for sharing that too. That is always just bright, like lights my brain up and I'm like, yes, that's awesome to hear. So the, here's the formula you want to follow when you're building a good Facebook copy. It's called the AIDA formula. It's attention, interest, desire, action. Meaning you want to start by getting somebody's attention. I like to imagine I'm on the side of a road and somebody's shouting from me on the other side of the road saying, hey, did you do this? Or it's basically calling them out so that I look and I say, oh, they're talking to me. So a lot of the ways you can do that is by calling out the actual specific location of where you're at. If you live in Tucson, hey, Tucson residents and surrounding areas. Uh, You can also do, I don't really believe that much in scare tactics when it comes to marketing. So some people will be like, what was the last year? Your your windows are so dirty. They're going to break if you don't get them cleaned or something (laughs) like that. (laughs) Um, Because like it does work sometimes, but you know, it's one of those, we've kind of tested it here and there. And yeah, yeah, some people, they react negatively to it. So um, whatever way you can call your, your, your audience, are you a homeowner looking uh, with 30 windows? here and then put like two little emojis that have like exclamation points. Like you always want to use emojis. Although I will say if you're running ads now, be careful about the emoji use because it will get you flagged on Facebook for some reason. Really? It reads it. Yeah. Facebook reads it as circumventing systems. And so mm. if you have an emoji, it reads the code as something that's like, you're trying to block, do something sketchy. And mm. Facebook is just run by a bunch of bots. So there's literally whole communities of people 
who get ads rejected and then they go to the community and are like, what are we doing? We're all trying to figure it out because nobody actually knows. No, everybody says they know, but we all, nobody really knows what's going on on Facebook's end. They, we can't talk to them. There, there's right. bots when you reach out for support. So good luck with the emojis, but do use really simple ones. Don't use more than three if you are using emojis, but they're really good to use in the ad copy. So after you do the attention, then you want to build interest. So you got their attention now. How can I keep them reading? So one thing we say is we actually like to give a really good personal touch to it because people buy people, not businesses or services. And this is something I actually said on the uh, Fight for Fight Club for Business, a podcast as or uh, yeah, mm-hmm. their thing as yeah. well. So that's why we always try to personalize it. So it's a person that's talking or it's a uh, it's in first person because that people like that. Yes. So we'll say, I'm, you know, I'm Gabe with Gabe's Spotless Windows, and we're doing something amazing to get back to our community this spring. And they're like, oh, what is he doing? What is going <laughs> on? And then you're going to build a AID. So we're going to build a desire. So we're going to say, this is what we're doing. Uh, make sure you're very clear about what you're, what you actually are doing. So typically this does come in the form of either an offer or some sort of special uh, uh, situation. Let's say if there's like a holiday going on, um, be very specific about what you, what they're, what you're giving them, you know, uh, put numbers to it. If you can, for example, you can say something like, um, you know, we're giving away X amount of things uh, for this specific time frame, And this is where you really desires built through urgency and scarcity. So if you uh, build urgency and scarcity into it, for example, let's say, I don't know, gym memberships are the thing that most people are familiar with. So uh, when you think of a gym membership, people typically don't like signing up for gym memberships. So they have to have things to get people in the door, like special offers or limited times specials or something like that. And so uh, typically what they'll do is they'll tell you, you know, it's for a limited time or it's limited amount. And that it is true. You know, if you're only giving away a certain amount to a certain amount of people per week, whatever the case may be, you just want to like basically put that in your writing um, and be very clear about what it is you're giving. Don't leave them up guessing because you're going to lose their trust and they're going to be thinking you're a scam. So, and also don't bait and switch. So don't say you're giving somebody something and then turn around and say it's something else because then you're just going to actually be like, it's going to have a negative effect in the community you're trying to get into. So once you build that desire, why should they have it? Why should they care? What is it that, what is their pain points? Uh, Are you a, a mom who, you know, is really tired of looking out her windows or whatever the case may be, and you want just a simple fix, then here's what you do action at the end. Uh, you're going to click on the get offer button and you're going to, uh, and, and claim one of these things today, um, or, you know, sign up, click, learn more and see what we're about. That's all you really have to do. I remember Gabe, I spent 24 hours once writing ad copy just Mm. to realize that if you just follow this formula, it, it makes for perfect ad copy no matter what the case. Yeah. Well, like I said, people, the, the customers who have mentioned it have just said, whoever's writing your ads, just tell, tell them they're doing a good job because I told, I never click on these and it totally made me. So that's awesome. So the, awesome. the question I wanted to ask to end on yeah. is, you know, look, we're all small business owners here in, in ITF. Some can afford your services, some can't. So for the smaller guys who do want to run Facebook ads, like what is the thing that you wish they knew that's that they're going to 
they're going to kind of bite themselves every time and they're going to throw money down the drain. Um, if, if they just, if they would just know this one thing, they could just have, have much profitable cam- much more profitable campaign. Ooh, that's so hard. I knew you were going to ask this cause you mentioned it to me, but I'm like, there's so many things. Um, how, how much time do I have to answer this? As, as much as I mean, we, we don't have a time limit. I just hate to keep you longer than, than okay. I need to, you know? Okay, cool. Yeah, take, All take, right. The, the people, the listeners are going to want to know. So, so okay, everybody get your notepads out. I want to see a pen <laughs> and pencil on your desk right now. Uh, so let's go ahead and walk through it. So Gabe, you've, have you, you've run Facebook ads before. In the I past, have, yes. Right? To, to not okay. very good success. I mean, decent, <laughs> you know, I get a call, I get a call here and there, but I, it wasn't enough that I'm like, oh, I'm going to do this every month. You know, it was usually just in times where, okay, I'm going to dump a little money in here. Just hopefully it'll, it'll, you know, bring up a little bit of interest to, to smooth out a slow period. Okay. And when you did it, because I think you're, you're in the same position as a lot of the people here um, who maybe tried before in the past, when you did it, did you go into business manager or did you just run them from like your page? No, it was business manager. Yeah. Okay. And then how did you like learn how to set that up or did you just kind of wing it? I, I want, I winged it. And I think I saw okay. a couple of YouTube videos. I called a couple of people who knew, and I, I re- honestly, I don't, I don't remember too much about it. Cause I really did not know what I was doing. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> Cause I want us, I'm trying to see, you know, what, I don't want to get too deep, but I can, I can't. Oh, oh, I, I, sh- I should mention here. If you haven't seen, if you're interested in running Facebook ads, Victoria was nice enough to put together this really long, it was, it is literally a college course of running Facebook ads. It it is one of our episodes. So I recommend that it's something you watch, you put on your phone and you have your laptop open and you watch it and listen to her and go through the, the, everything with her on your own, on your own laptop in your own uh, account. And that way you can benefit from it. So we're not going to, I don't need you to go in that much detail since you've already done that for us generously devoted a lot of your time to do that, but we definitely want to get some kind of tips here. So. Okay, perfect. So I think number one, uh, Facebook is, um, actually to run ads for a local business. It's a lot simpler than you might think. So people are going to tell you that it's, you have to do special targeting. They must have some secret formula for who they target, or there's like some secret cool Facebook thing that you can do to like get you those customers. Um, at the end of the day, really what it is, is understanding people and the psychology of what makes people buy. So if you know what makes people buy, then that's ha- half of the battle. A big mistake I see a lot of people do when they're running Facebook and uh, Instagram ads is they do the same thing that they would for warm traffic, which Gabe and I talked about, yes. which is talking about value and uh, I have five stars and you should pick me. That's, that's <laughs> exactly what I did. Yeah, exactly. And why? Because that's all, that's all I know, right? That's exactly. all I, that's, I deal with my customers in this way. I just transfer it to the cold and it doesn't work. Yeah, exactly. And it doesn't work because the analogy I like to use is if you're walking outside of a store and somebody comes up to you and is like, do you want this can of beans or this can of beans? You're gonna be like, I don't want any cans of beans. Leave me alone. <laughs> I like, I like to use beans because I, I love beans. I don't know. Maybe it's Mexican or something. <laughs> but if you are walking in a Costco or actually that's, a, well, I'll use the Costco analogy later. But if you're walking down the street and somebody says, Hey, come check us out. Here's a little sample. Try this. 
And they're like, hmm, that does taste good. I really like that. And then they meet the owner and the owner's like, hey, what's up? Welcome to my store. And then they're just, they just, and then they, they start selling you on all these cool products that they have. Then you start looking at, okay, like how much it's going to cost me and which is a good value here. You know, should I pick this one or this one? And then you go to the checkout line and you, you pay. But um, the marketing with on cold traffic, you really need a um, uh, something to grab people's attention and to get them to uh, the law of reciprocity. You give you have to give something somebody something in order to receive a lot. So you have to make them feel comfortable enough with you to feel like if I'm getting something, I'm going to be willing to give you my information. Um, and then building that trust. So it's going to be a longer sales process. So that leads me into number two, which is that after you've had something that's going to gain their interest, uh, then you want to make sure that you your sales process is edu you're educating them, you're setting expectations, and you are um, actually you're not just pushing the sale. So rushing the sale looks like, hey, I just got you through the door. I just got your information. When do you want to get booked? Let's get you booked tomorrow. And uh, let me go and do an estimate for you. When it's like, hey, like if somebody is already in the market for it, sure. Like let's take them to the checkout line. But if they don't, aren't really sure about you, then you need to ask them questions about what their past experiences have been. Um, uh, what, you know, if they had a bad experience in the past, actually the number one question you could so ask somebody that actually opens the door, the floodgates to actually have somebody book through Facebook is to say, uh, you know, is this the first time you've ever had your windows clean before? Hmm. And that if they say yes, then that means that, okay, now I know I need to unpack some things and figure out what's going yes. on at their house. Yes. And if they say no, then that means that that's a huge opportunity for you because what that means is that they have gotten them done before. They weren't necessarily satisfied or they're looking at other options because they're not, they're not sold on the last guy. And that means that either they weren't satisfied with the last job from somebody else or, uh, and that, that gives you an opportunity to come in and say, Hey, like I, I totally hear why maybe you didn't work out in the past. Here's why we're a little bit different and how I think we can help you. Um, and they'll start talking about their pain points too. When you say, when they say, no, it's not my first time. Uh, you know, I, I got it done in the past and this is what it was like. And I'm just, you know, blah, blah, blah. So that is, that's the biggest thing as far as the sales process goes. Don't forget that you need to be on top of these leads. You do need to be calling them at least three times, if not more. Um, we actually now tell our ISAs to call everybody twice a day. And some people, they find it pushy, but when you have a good sales process, it's never pushy. It's always helpful. And so try to ask, understand where they're coming from and let them know that they're yeah. safe and protected, that their house is going to be treated like a sanctuary. And you're going to always have that person call you and, and because you were that first experience. So that's number one, don't overcomplicate it. Keep it simple. Remember to get their interest and have a good sales process. The next thing I would say is make sure that when it comes into the technical side of things, you want to always have, don't ever run ads on your person, like using your personal right. business manager, <laughs> yes. because if you do it on your personal, so let's say that you have a business page and you are running it on like your wife's like Facebook or whatever the case may be. Um, if her everybody's going to come, everybody who has a Facebook page is going to come with a personal business manager. You have to make a separate business account and link your business page to it and run ads that way. Because if you do it through your personal, which a lot of people do, you run the risk of having your whole page banned and that will stop you from being able to run any ads in the future. 
mm-hmm. because when Facebook bans you, the hammer comes down, it's really hard to gain that trust back. And so um, it, you can potentially buy other business managers, you can use somebody else's. So if you really can't figure it out and you're like, I have to run ads on my own because I just don't know how to figure out the business account thing, then just have use somebody else's that maybe doesn't use their Facebook a lot or doesn't care if it gets banned because at the end of the day, um, you can always just run it as your page. You don't have to run it as the person you're running it for. Hmm. Um, so that was, that was another big, big lesson for us is you don't want to do that. I would say another thing that is really important when you're trying to figure it out is um, making sure. So there's two different ways you can run ads. You can run conversion ads and lead form ads and conversion ads are basically a landing page. So some people they'll create this cool little website page and they'll funnel at or people to that page. They'll ask for the information on there. I'm sure have you, you've experienced that before online, you'll click on something. It'll take you off Facebook. Oh yes. Yes. Uh Yeah. It'll take you off Facebook and it'll have like all this information that's not on Facebook. So you can do that or you can do lead form ads, which means that they're staying on Facebook there, there's a form that comes up and they're putting in their information. They have a review page. They go to the review page. They see what they signed up for. It gives them any disclaimers. Then it takes them to a completion page on Facebook still that says, thanks for signing up. Um, on the completion page, you want to make sure that you re- re- reiterate what you're giving them. Uh, you reiterate, uh, you know, when the, the urgency and scarcity. So make sure you call us now. And then you can have a cool little call us button at the bottom that says, give us a call, link a number to it, and then people will call you. I would recommend that people starting off use lead form ads and not conversion ads, meaning that you're not setting up a landing page and funneling people to it. So, so when you say a landing page, is that something separate from your main web page, like just a standalone page that you're building just for that purpose? Or is it part of your website? Good question. It can be either. So landing page, uh, that phrase is used just for anywhere where you're being taken off a platform and you're being, you're landing on another one. So some people, they can actually, they can use their website as a landing page. Don't recommend doing that because it can be a really weird sales process when you're like, here's mm-hmm. something that you get. And then they get your website and they're like, where do I go now? Right. So mostly, typically uh, like with our software, it allows us to build landing pages. So it allows you to just make those on your own. You can put them up at any point. Our actual, our website's a landing page, technically meaning it's uh, not necessarily a website because all landing pages are websites, but not all websites are landing pages. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Um, I just, I just was asking because um, we, we did use uh, an advertising company a while back. This is probably about four or five years ago. And they did, they built a separate web page apart from ours. And that was the landing page and they would send people from their ad to there. And I hated it. I hated it so much because it did not feel like my page at all. It, it, the, the whole feel of it was different. It, it was, a, if you were to see that landing page compared to my, my web page, you would think it was two totally separate companies. Now my logo was on both of them. Hmm. And uh, you know, obviously the, the, the information was the same, but the whole feel of it was artificial You know, Mm. you could tell a non-window cleaner designed that page. And (laughs) and, um, 
we, we, we tried it. it, you know, again, it was, I, I've never, I've never had success with Facebook ads until reciprocity. This is the first time that I've ever been excited about it. We've tried several different things, like I said, um, but I can see why a form would be more ideal uh, than that, because that experience really soured me on that because I was just like, Oh, I mean, it was icky. <laughs> I'd look at it and I was like, Oh, that's, that's not us. That's, like an imitation. That's like someone was trying to scam my customers and made a fake page to try and lure. That's how it felt. You know, it wow. just was very artificial. So that's actually I, good to know. Cause I was, con- I was considering, I, I'll get into why I was considering possibly doing that, but I was like, mm-hmm. you know, I shouldn't break what's I shouldn't fix what's not broken, you know? Mm-hmm. So no, I agree. I think the form is the way to go for sure. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cause I mean that, that I can see that totally happening where it's like, it's a page where, you, it doesn't look like your website it doesn't re- it doesn't really like represent the feel or personality it's just it this, like this separate page with your logo on it and the worst was that it had a link to my website so they so oh. customers would be directed to there they would see the you know and again it was written by a marketer so it was they're using all of their buzzwords and all of their formulas that work in these other fields probably um but then my you know they would read this and then they'd click if they clicked on my website they're getting a totally different feel for my website, you know? Yeah. And I could definitely see where that would turn a customer off that whole, that total difference in, in presentation. There was no consistency in it, you know, and yeah. I, were I them, I, I just wish they would have tried to at least mimic the feel of my website a little bit more, you know, even if the offer was different and, and, and different other or other things that were different uh, at least they would have, tr- I wish they would have just tried to capture my, my, personality of my of the website as opposed to just starting from scratch as if like I said it was someone trying to pretend to be me <laughs> you know yeah kind of like a puppet uh, yeah yeah exactly exactly That's anyways so interesting. okay go ahead and continue yeah so the, so the conversion the conversions are are good and bad at the same time partly because yes you have to have like this copy and paste formula to use across the industry for everybody and you just put somebody's logo on it and it does kind of look that way uh, but they're really good too because conversions, um, conversion ads, meaning they, it's it's not lead form, it's using a landing page, means that you are uh, actually getting. So this is actually a, a secret in the industry. A lot of people don't know this about Facebook ads, but Facebook uses algorithms that tell it to show your ads to specific people who are most likely to perform the action of the objective of the ad. Meaning that if my objective on this campaign, this is actually the beginning of building a campaign, is to get lead generation, then Facebook is going to give you a lead form. And the lead form is what we use to get the people interested. If you click that your objective is conversions, then Facebook is going to go searching for people who typically click on conversion ads. Okay. And the lead form people and the conversion people are a lot different. Because, oh, not that different, but just looking at the data, lead form people are people who, you know, sometimes they're just shopping around, you'll get a higher volume, but maybe they're not as serious, they're just sitting at home, doing whatever they want, and they're just like, let me just click, keep clicking on lead form ads. So it's a bigger range of people, and it's not necessarily people who always have, you know, a disposable income. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. Uh, with conversion ads, there's downsides and upsides. The downsides is you're going to get less people opting in, but typically Facebook uh, 
these people do actually have more money. And so uh, that's kind of just like this weird unspoken rule that I learned recently at, at a, a conference that this, this Facebook guru guy was talking about it. And it actually, it makes sense. Um, the lead forms though, it's, I think it's something we're going to stick to. And it's, it's not something that's ever really made a bad, a bad pro like made our process bad. We have ways to, you know, uh, qualify these people, but the conversion ads, it's also more difficult to set up. And I don't think anybody starting off needs to go into them. So when you're clicking on your campaign, make sure you click on lead generation, especially, okay. uh, it's easier to set up it. It's easier for people to, um, not opt in, but it doesn't take them off Facebook. So Facebook actually will, it'll get a lower cost per lead with it, uh, because Facebook wants people to stay on the platform. They don't want people going off the platform because the whole idea is like, how long can I keep eyes looking at me? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Right. Um, I'm trying to think, I think there's probably like one or two more things. I think another thing would be that, um, you, and this is something Kevin actually mentioned to me that he thought was really helpful is that you don't want, uh, you want to make, what what was it? I I think I actually am blanking a little bit. It was like, um, Oh gosh, I'm blanking. I don't remember. Kevin, you'll have to remind me what it was. Maybe I can go back and look at the messages. But yeah. oh yeah, you don't want to basically listen to what Facebook tells you as you're writing the ads. So oh, okay. if imagine it like you're writing down this, you're on like a, a ride or something, and there's things that keep distracting you. They're they're throwing things at you. They're like, look this way, look that way, save money here, save money there. Don't click on any of it because Facebook is a business too, and they want to make as much money off you as possible. So they will tell you, hey, you should optimize your ads by clicking on this or that or putting like weird little red lines and dots. And really, it's just basically them saying, uh, let us take control of everything so we can try. And and sometimes it it works when you're dealing with $5,000 budgets, $10,000 budgets, but not when you're dealing with $20 a day budgets. So don't, don't click on anything that says spend more money here because it's going to be better later, I guess. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and they put a lot of those things on there. And that, that was something we learned too, is like, oh, you actually just have to keep it really simple. Part of keeping it simple is you want to only put the ads, start off with just putting the ads on the Facebook and Instagram newsfeed. Mm-hmm. The newsfeed is the best place because okay. that's where most of the eyes are. Uh, don't do go- don't do the stories. Don't do the newspaper part of it. All of that's just a waste of money. Um, don't uh, or do make sure that you uh, do. So you're doing the lead your lead generation ob- objective. You're only putting on the news feed to start off. Then you just want to make sure that you are um, using pictures of people's with uh, pictures of people uh, of actual people. So don't put a picture of a house. Don't put a picture of your car, your truck. People don't care. <laughs> they care about people. <laughs> and Facebook will actually show your ad to more people if it is a picture that looks like it's supposed to be on Facebook. Oh, Isn't that crazy? Interesting. So it, has, it has to be like a lifestyle photo. And it'll gotcha. be like, yeah. Because if something's on Facebook that looks like it's an ad, then that people actually will vote it as this is annoying. I don't want to see this. Oh. So Facebook will stop showing it to so many people and your cost per lead will go up. Huh. That's awesome. Right? Well, Isn't that Vic- interesting? Victoria, we are we're out of time here, but yeah, that was some really good stuff. That's uh, yeah. thank you so much for sharing that. And again, uh Flomies, if you're listening and you want more information on how to run Facebook ads effectively, how to get through all the red tape and and the the 
all the things that you have to do to make sure you don't get your site shut down or you don't get your, you get your, your ads get to go through. You definitely want to go back and listen to Victoria's uh, uh, session that she did on, on our, um, I forget which episode it is, but so much information on there. And like I said, I recommend put your phone on, have YouTube on there, get your laptop off, get onto your pay, your business pages. And then you can just go from there. It's about it. I think it's like an hour, almost two hours, right? It's like an hour and 45 minutes or something. You, yeah. you put a lot of work into that. So we definitely want people uh, to benefit from it. So anyhow, anything else you want to share real quick, uh, Victoria, before we sign off here? Not that I can think of Gabe. Any, any events than... going on or anything that you're, you got kind of coming in the works? Yeah, well, I guess actually, yes. So I think we're actually going to uh, partner with IWCA and always offering a membership to all of our clients. So now anytime they opt in, they are automatically added as a member to the IWCA. Oh, that's awesome. That is a really good. Okay, well, we're gonna have to promote promote that for sure. That's that's a really good, good pitch. So right. Um, We have that we're going to the I might be speaking at the next IWCA meeting or conference, um, which is super exciting for me because I'll be just kind of telling all these same little secrets. And then uh, we just launched our 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 plus program. So it's official. We are doing basically uh, always offering our inside sales agents, the whole package, all of Mm -hmm. that. So there's never anybody who has to be worried about, you know, not being able to follow up with their leads or whatever the case may be, but super exciting stuff. Awesome. Well, thank you for all your hard work. And thank you also for taking the time to talk with us today. Um, I really appreciate it. I look forward to seeing you more. I'm glad that you're in the group. And uh, thank you, Flomies, for listening. We hope you guys have a great week and weekend. And as always, flow on.